The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. A very good afternoon to you. It is the 19th of September 2022. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof only to find out your roof still leaks, well, then it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. To find out more about our advertisers and our sponsors, feel free to visit us at highfm.com, where we also upload all the podcasts of our shows. Coming up in a few minutes, I speak to Craig Frymond, and we're going to be chatting about the pronunciation of Frymond. He is a filmmaker and has just released an incredibly critical crime documentary. When I say critical, it, it looks at all facets of crime and how it's affected us as South Africans. So stand by while we chat more about the movie 57. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of Chai FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Today I get to chat to Craig Freimund. He is a filmmaker, a writer, and his new documentary is really making waves. Craig, a very good afternoon to you. Uh, fantastic to be here, Chad. Thank you. Craig, 57, the number for the listeners that don't know, that's the amount of people on average that were murdered a day in South Africa. And that was the average at the time you started making the movie. It's, when you, it's, it's, it's heavy. When you talk about 57, you know, when you, see the, when you see the number 57 on the movie, you think, okay, 57. But when you get into the nitty gritty, that's a lot of people. It's an astonishing amount of people and and and... You know, this title, we didn't know what to call this this film. We, we had many titles for it over its um, over the making of it. And then my, my editors, who are really in documentary, editors are as much a director as the director is because they're creating so much of the film, said, what about 57? And I was like, 57? I, I didn't like it at first, but the more it went on, the more it stuck – and what I'm really liking about it now is that it's everyone's walking around saying the number 57. Like, can we just say that number? Can we just keep saying that number? Because it's not a number that should be said. It's a, not a, a number that is acceptable. It's not a number that, that we even want to acknowledge ourselves. But that is the number. I think this is what's so critical is that people in South Africa have become desensitized to crime. And you need that number as a constant reminder. And I think when one compares the South African crime rates, in particular murder and rape, and remember rape can be used as a weapon in, in war-torn areas, our rape figures and our murder figures are in fact higher than most of the world's war-torn areas. Yeah, and it's consistent. It's, what I find bizarre is that there was a sort of consistency to it. In fact, it's gone up apparently in the last, since making the film, it's closer to 60 or 67. But the fact that there are more or less 20,000 people murdered in our country, certainly for the last 10 years, is, is how does it stay 
that number? What are the factors that, that prop up this bizarre sort of spree of, of murders? And, 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 you know, one of the things that we, that we really try and break down in, in the film is 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 what does that statistic really mean? Who are these people? Who are being murdered? And, and I have to say that that was pretty fascinating to me. You know, I never. First of all, I'm not a documentary filmmaker. I'm more of a. I actually usually work in comedy. Uh, uh, well, comedy and comedy drama. I make feature films. I write television. But just to get back to the origin of this film, I was very very affected by the death of a young actor called Sebosiso Quinana, who had just starred in a film called Matwetwe, was made by a friend of mine, Kakiso Ledicha. And they'd made this little film with these guys from Pretoria that found this group of actors and the film took off. It was just flying. I was at the, the I was at the sort of the premiere of it in Santa and it was such a gas because people were just flying with this film. It's got that sort of uh Tal from the the, the, the the Pretoria townships that is so beautiful, the way the language is used. People were just shrieking in the cinema. And it was such a vibey, vibey event. These young stars, Tabatso and Spoo, were sort of emerging. They'd all worked in theater together. And three weeks later, he was dead. He was murdered outside a, a cinema where Matuetu was playing. He was trying to get an Uber. Someone tried to steal his phone. And, and he was stabbed in the scuffle that resulted. And I didn't know Spoo very well, but I knew the people who'd made the film very well. And I was very, you know, we watch these little independent films. We all know what they take to make. You know, they're very hard to get made and often don't succeed financially. And this one was flying. And there was something about Spoo's death that, that, that I couldn't, couldn't deal with it. I didn't know the guy very well, but I couldn't deal with what it meant, you know. The fact that this guy was a star, he was a star in the making. He was a guy who brought everyone together and he was just killed. And and what the impact of that was to that little ecosystem, never mind his family, his loved ones, the fact that he was a, a leader, the fact that he brought people together, the fact that he, you know, had this had this film that was flying it just died and it made me think about the death of potential and how we have this potential as a country right like everybody always talks about it my god imagine we could just unleash our potential as a country we would be unstoppable because it's true because it's true we are amazing south africans are amazing amazing potential but how can we succeed if we keep killing each other if we keep terrorizing each other, if we keep, you know, making us feel unsafe, which is a fundamental, you know, almost human right that you want to feel safe, you want to be able to walk down the road. So that's why we made the film. We just, we, we, we didn't know where we were going with it. We just, uh, Kahiso and a friend of mine, Ronnie Aptierka, who was also a producer on the film, and myself, just, I remember we sat in, in JB's, which is now gone in, in Hyde Park, and we just said, guys, we've got to do something. Let's just do something. Let's just, let's make a film. We had no idea what, what we were doing, where the film was going. We just knew it, Catalyst was Spoo dying, and that took us on a two or three year journey which landed up, as you see, in, as you said, in quite a holistic and quite a complex analysis of 
the situation around crime and particularly violent crime, but not in a miserable way. I keep trying to have to say to people, the film is not miserable. There's laughter in the film. There's lightness in the film. There's statistics in the film that I suspect most people aren't aware of that are in some ways comforting, in some ways illuminating, in some ways revealing. There's a lot in the film. I mean, I find when I, when I watch it, uh, I, I, you almost want to pause it and go, whoa, let's, let's just break that down. A because they keep coming, these, these revelations. And, of course, there's enormous emotion in the film, enormous emotion. I weep every time I watch it. Every time I watch it, I, uh, uh, there are certain parts of it that I find extremely emotional. But I want to encourage people to watch it because people, as you said, people are numb. I said when we were chatting before, I'd say we're one beyond them. I say we defended, we're in, we're barricaded, in our, you know, we, we, we're so, we're so sort of, whether whether the word is traumatized or or, or what, we don't wait. When you say you made a film about crime, I don't want to know about crime. I don't want to know. Like we just don't want, but. As I say, I was just a gen. I was just an ordinary person making this film. I just wanted. I'm a trauma counselor in my spare time. I uh, I wanted to try and understand a little bit more about the socioeconomics, the history, the actual statistics. Because when people like Gareth Newham start breaking down those murder statistics, they're not what you think. I think we all imagine those 57 murders are coming from crime you know and most of them are not most of them are coming from arguments gone wrong you know they're coming from people who know each other who 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 don't have an ability to control their rage whether they're killing their friend or their or their or, or, or their lover or whatever there's an inability to control emotions to 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 control rage and we seem to have this excess of rage what what we call male rage in our country which 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 um, creates a lot of the crime we're chatting to craig frymond about his movie 57 when we come back i want to talk more about why crime has become so endemic in south africa and i want to touch on something very important that craig just raised and that is that so much of the crime that we're experiencing when it comes to GBV, when it comes to the violence, it's not necessarily a crime that's been committed. It's violence that's been perpetrated because we have a problem in South Africa. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Before we went to break, we were chatting about violent crime in South Africa, and Craig raised a very interesting point. A lot of crime that's perpetrated, specifically violent crime, isn't necessarily in the execution of a profit-related crime. In other words, people aren't getting hurt, injured, or killed, or in some instances, raped or maimed as a result of a crime where somebody's aiming to make money, it's because the people are known to each other and we have a violent society. Now, Craig, one thing I admire about you, um, when our president was standing for election at Nasrik a couple of years ago, he spoke about uh, Tumamina, which is the volunteer aspect in South Africa and how important it is. And he took that from a song by Hugh Masakela. And when one looks at Tumamina, he himself was a police reservist, Sir Ramaphosa, 
and he brought about this whole thing of, of, of volunteering. And I, I believe in it. We had Reza Patel on the show last week. He believes in it. And you volunteer for a local police station as a trauma counselor. So not just are you a writer or a filmmaker, but you experience this on a personal, direct basis. Why are we living in such a violent society? I think that uh, we have a violent history. I think that we have a violence. Uh, violence is very much part of our society. You know, uh, I think uh, there are people in the film that break it down. You know, much much better than me. Uh, but but violence is often not even seen as. Uh, not even seen as a bad thing in many in many cultures and in many in 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 in, in many societies that you know parts of our society plus add to that desperation poverty massive inequality uh, desperation emasculation as as you say that 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 statistics just blows my mind that 70% of our murders are not committed as you say in what we would call crime crimes that's actually quite a small percent of our murders and yet if you stop anyone on the street and they ask them those 57 murders they would think that most of those murders are coming through crime and then therefore it affects me because I, it's not really true not to say that there aren't people who don't die uh, in crime scenes but as you say the vast majority of people who are murdered are murdered by someone they know under the influence of alcohol in some kind of a, an engagement that is that develops into an argument that that raises very difficult feelings um, you hear these stories all the time about people killing either their girlfriend or their family or whatever usually it's as a result of either the the woman is trying to get away so there's a rejection. That rejection is, is, is an emotion that we all know is not that easy to deal with. But how does that emotion deal, how does that emotion convert into violence? That for me was probably the biggest eye-opener of, of the film, was how, what is the difference between you and I have an argument, maybe it gets heated, we we're not thinking of killing each other. We're not thinking of even punching each other. But we all know in all walks of our society, you can go into any bar, whether it doesn't matter who's in the bar, certain things, certain arguments with the with the, now the juice of alcohol, people want to punch, they want to, you know, and, and, and this is what's happening in our country. Now, this is not, it's not a great situation, but what I like about that analysis is that it's a very different kind of analysis to saying, you know, we need more police, we need more burglar bars, we need more jails, we, which is not an argument that I like because it kind of, for me, Yes, our police could be better. Yes, our jails could be better. But that's not ultimately the solution we want. Ultimately, the solution we want is to change the culture of violence. And as Gareth says in the film, you can't police your way out of a culture of violence. So help me to understand this. We go into a bar and people throughout the world go into bars. We have a couple of drinks. People throughout the world have a couple of drinks. We get into an argument. The same story gets played over throughout the world. Why in South Africa do we resort to such violence, such intense violence? So the people in the in the film say that it's that it's really all about early childhood development, you know, and early childhood experiences. So if you grow up in a in a family 
where you are loved, where you don't experience violence, where you, you, you know, your, your feelings from a very, very early age can be expressed and can be mirrored back to you, then you're growing up with a healthy sense of, a, of an emotional life. If you're not, if you're witnessing violence in your home, uh, apparently at a young age is absolutely catastrophic to to your sense of 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 what violence is and what it isn't yeah the, these are some of the reasons why it happens young men are aggressive they are uh, there's a sometimes an issue with uh, with 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 absent fathers so young men uh, take their lead from other young men who are perhaps violent. Uh, uh, these these are the kind of issues. I mean, we're talking about a long-term solution here. We're talking about things that need to be sort of where our society needs to change. And it's not going to change overnight. But but there's there has been in the last, I don't know, say 20 years or 10 years, this huge focus on police and we need more money for police. And if you speak to people like Gareth, they say that's not the solution. The solution is social workers. The solution is identifying, you know, people who need help and, and spend much more money on social workers than, than on police because that's how you start changing the culture of a society. So if we're realistic, we can say that South Africa, the dream has been deferred. When we look at our societal challenges, we haven't risen to those challenges as as a nation. And there's a direct correlation, I believe, with corruption because service delivery isn't happening. And that's resulting in what you're saying, this abject poverty, these single parent households and people growing up where they're very quick to react. Yeah, and and you know, I don't know how you are as a person, but I can have a you know quite a strong temper. Now add to that uh, a very depressing home situation, a very bleak home situation where maybe you're not earning, the people around you aren't earning. Like it's it it, it is is a bit of a a tinder uh, box of of you know things that can make people strike out that can make people crack you know that can make people just lose themselves in an argument that really is not that serious and the next day you sort of like what 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 the hell happened there you know so this movie 57 it premiered two weeks ago at Killarney it was on SABC last week it's going to be on SABC again we're going to chat more about that shortly the general reaction to the movie Question one and question two, anything stand out that was said to you by anybody that's, that's viewed the movie? Yeah, I think what I like about uh, uh, people's response to the film is there's not a defeatism about it. You know, I think we made the film really as a cry, you know, like as a, as a, as a sort of a, not a rallying cry because that wasn't solely the intention, but as, a, as, a, as almost as a shriek from the rooftops to say, guys, you know, if we, if we want to live in this country, which we, which we love, we have to be very realistic about what's going on. We have to be honest about what's going on. We can't like, so we, why, why, why is it that the president, that the, why is it that these crime statistics come and go year after year? Do you hear people shrieking about them? Do you hear politicians going, this is outrageous? It's almost read with a sort of a, a kind of, as you say, like a numbness. And that's, so, so, so to get back to your question, like, like I think people are very moved by the film, but they also are thinking, 
got a lot of people phoning me saying, what about this? What about that? And in a sense, that's the next part of our project is to, is to see if we can try and create something that works in tandem with the film, that maybe the film is used and shown in schools or whatever, and, and that there's a sense of we can try and start a – I'm nervous of this word conversation because you don't want it to just be a conversation. But on one level, to try and start a conversation about some of these issues, we can't be numb. There's no point in being numb. As you know, as a, as a person involved in crime, numb is not a good situation. So you've made some movies with Joey Rusdin. I know Joey very well. When, when I first met him, he was doing a movie called um, Dollars and White Pipes. Um, it was a story about Bernie Bikies. Um, he's a mutual friend. And that story showed how somebody had grown up on the Cape Flats. We saw a repeat this weekend of somebody in the Cape Flats who didn't get out of it. Um, Rashad Stuckey's son was murdered this weekend. Like his father, like his um, uncle, his, his, his father's twin brother, he was involved in that ongoing cycle of violence. Then you get people like Bernie that broke out of that. Joey that broke out of that do you think there's something special that they were able to break out of it do you think it's human tenacity why do we see more of history repeating itself in terms of this vicious cycle and less people getting out like the Joeys and the Bernies of this world I think that you you're very lucky if you get out of that kind of situation. I think you perhaps had maybe you had people, mentors in your life. You had sort of moments in your life that could have gone. I mean, if you speak to any of those people, they will tell you about pivotal moments in their life where it could have gone this way or that way. And also maybe their their brains were shaped slightly differently, that they had a little bit more of an alternative to think about life in a different way. For most people growing up in that environment, it's, it's out of their hands. That's what I'm saying about like early childhood. You've grown up, let's say, in a home where your father beats your mother. You know, that's imprinted on you from a very young age. I mean, you'll often find people who, who've grown up in that situation saying that that's not what they want to do, but it's imprinted. It's imprinted. And, and this, Joey talks about it in the film, you know, this intergenerational trauma, this intergenerational passing down of, you know, whether it's, whether it's like your dad got into a fight and clapped some oak, you know, half to death, and that was how things were solved, or he clapped your mother, or this happened, or that happened. You, you, this is becoming normal. And as Gareth says beautifully in the film, violence is normal in South Africa. So a lot of people think the death penalty should still be there. A lot of people think corporal punishment should still be there. We were all beaten to hell and back, you know, as kids. They're, they're not anymore. But if you look at our culture, there is still a sense that violence is a good thing. And that's something that we have to change. But it's quite a deep thing, that. So the oppressed becomes the oppressor. The bullied becomes the bully. And we've got this cycle. It, it sounds, and it's, it's, it's a question I hate to ask, but in our generation, are we going to see this cycle broken? No. No. But, but as you say, we can, we can ignore it and just accept it as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, a fait accompli, or we can say, well, how do we change it in 20 years' time, in 30 years' time? And, 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 and as Brenda Goldblatt says in the film, you start making those kind of interventions now, 
yes, yes, you're wanting them, those people to be better adults, but you're also helping those children today. So it might not be obvious, but it's there. And yeah, I, I, I have had some interactions through my trauma counseling that for me have been totally uh, eye-opening in the sense that I try where I can if there's an issue of, 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 of GBV, of domestic violence, I try and reach out to the man. I try and reach out to the perpetrator and start a conversation because the natural thing is support the woman, which is great, right? Support the woman. But the woman's not the one creating the problem. The men in our country are the ones creating the problem. Not all of them. Not all of them. 90% of them are lovely. But there are 10% of the men in this country that are not, uh, not, not so great in terms of their attitudes towards these things. And, and, and what I was surprised by is when I reach out to those men, how desperate they were to change how we started having conversations about how they became violent people that were absolutely devastating and mind-blowing and how well they responded to counseling. So a lot of the issues that we have in this country is that people don't know, how, don't know where to go. It's not, it's not a done thing for a man to, to ask for help. And even if he does ask for help, where does he go? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised by how people with a, quite a small amount of intervention can start to understand. Most people have never spoken to a therapist, a counselor. They haven't. They haven't done it. Do you think they're afraid? No, I think they don't. I think some people, I think it's seen as a weakness. You know, when we do... Uh, when we reach out to after a violent incident or whatever, we reach out to the the, 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 the people involved and you often get the thing of like, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, especially from men, right? Um, because to be a man is to be strong, is to, you know, don't cry, don't show vulnerability, don't show weakness. So so a lot of the people that I know who've tried to work in, 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 in helping men, one of the biggest problems is how do you get them to come for help? So we've both come to this realization, along with a lot of others, that it's a generational change. We're not going to see the levels of violence that are currently being experienced disappear. So what do we do in the interim? You, as a, as a volunteer, have seen the capacity and the resource issues experienced by those that are meant to uphold the law. But you're also very vocal in that it's not just the problem of the police and the courts. What do we do in the interim? I would say that we try and find solutions that 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 are progressive and that are different and that might only start paying off in years to come, but at least they're being implemented now. I mean, that is my hope uh, uh, coming off the back of this film is that is that. Is, are we able to create a network? Are we able to create a network through technology, through phones, through whatever, that we can start linking people, that we can start showing this film in, in, in schools and having conversations around these things? But not only, as I say, part of me loves the word conversation because this is a great conversation and it's fantastic to have conversations. 
But if conversations are only conversations, nothing changes. So, so for me, I would say like, uh, and and if there are people out there listening who who, who it's happened to me quite quite a bit with the film already that people are saying, I want to link you to this organization because they're doing really interesting work in taverns. You know, I want to link you to this, and and that you can start you can start creating a a network that that allows people who've got problems and people who've got issues a very clear way to to express themselves and then you have to start looking at kids and schools and and whatever and whatever we can't just keep we can't just keep the status quo we can't because otherwise we just we just saying that's how it is you know and no one likes it was there a standout moment for you when you were conducting the interviews was there one of those light bulb moments where you started to realize the true issue of these violent acts that are taking place in South Africa? Or was there something that is almost an epiphany that occurred during the filming that helps you to see things differently now? You did mention to me how many of these people that committed these crimes are looking for help and would have reached out for help if they knew how. What is your takeaway from this process? I mean, I, I, I talk about Gareth Newham a lot because uh, for me, when I, I probably did like an hour, an hour 20 interview with him, and I felt that my entire perspective had, had been changed by the end of that interview. Because he's, he's, as he says, he's not a criminologist, but he's studied, someone who's studied crime a lot and he studied the numbers and, he, and, he, and he's so good at breaking down the numbers and saying, well, hang on, this is what this is and this is where crimes occur and this is how many precincts they occur in and this is how many people are, as we said earlier, that this, the vast majority of, of, of murders are from people who know each other. You know, that, just, that, just that alone. Just that alone changes quite a lot, doesn't it? Because then it's not we don't have to we don't have to feel completely like people are coming out to kill us every day. There's 57 of us being killed every day. No, not really. Not that. Not that. As I say, I don't ever want to undermine it. But there were lots of moments. You know, you pointed out that moment with Tabatso, who was who was Spoo's friend, and who was with him when he died. You know, and and I found myself suddenly in that situation of 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 being with Tabatso and saying to him you were with Spoo you held Spoo when he died what what was going on you know i mean i of course i didn't have the words to ask the question but as you said you know he didn't have the words to answer it but just sometimes and those interviews with Spoo's friends that are um incredibly moving you 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 sometimes find yourself in in situations where Actually, the trauma counseling helped, to be honest, to, in some of those interviews because they were traumatic and, and people are reliving, people are being triggered, people are reliving very disturbing moments. So it was a, it was a challenging thing, but uh, the, the, just going back to people's response, I like it when people say, I'm enlivened by this, I'm inspired by this, I'm, I feel like there's something I want to do. And, I, and, and I've, had that com- I've had that comment a lot from the film. Well, let's just make a film that's depressing and then we all go and be depressed. What's the point of that? We're chatting to filmmaker Craig, <laughs> Craig Freimund about his movie 57. We'll be back straight after this. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. 
Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting to Craig Freiman, and uh, while we were taking the break, I was chatting to him about this thread of magic that, that exists within the movie 57, and that's the fact that he's talking to people and they're giving their experiences, and it's not a typical crime documentary. We're seeing a lot of crime documentaries at, at the moment, whether they're foreign, whether they're South African, we're seeing a lot more South African. This isn't that. This is a story. What were you setting out to do, Craig? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that thing about other documentaries because, yeah, there is, right? There's a bit of a worldwide trend, and and uh, we've had our own with uh, uh, Devilsdorp, and uh, what these are are very sensational, very disturbing, very weird crimes, you know, that 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 then then get investigated uh, uh, in in a way that is kind of entertaining because we think, wow, those people were so mad and. Um, that's not what we're doing, you know. We're and 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 I keep having to stress. I, I'm a person who who writes feature films, who writes entertainment television, who writes comedy. I'm never set out to 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 make a depressing piece of work, you know. I, 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 it's the last thing I want to do, you know. The the the, the Buddhists who I like uh, often say there are things that are helpful and there are things that are unhelpful, and I wanted to make something that was helpful. I didn't want to make a a movie that made everyone want to immigrate like what's the point of that you know so 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 we really worked quite hard as you see there's great music in the film there's there if there are moments of lightness we take them and it was very interesting actually <laughs> watching it with a live audience because i never have obviously but at the at the screening the other day you know you see how people take those moments of laughter like almost like a, a, a drowning man on a on a lilo you know people <laughs> People laugh uh, because because the rest of the stuff is quite uh, quite quite heavy and quite odd. But but there are these light moments, and also there are these moments of, there are these moments of, of illumination and these moments of great reflection to say let's let's all let's all look very deeply into into the situation. Let's just spend an hour and a half really looking at the subject matter and see what comes out of it. Maybe what comes out of it is is an energy. And that is what I'm finding actually is that people are messaging me and people are calling me up and saying, listen, what about, what about, what about, what about? And I'm like, yeah. Let's do that, and let's also try and get because, because to be honest, another thing that we explore a little bit in the film, but perhaps not enough, is this, this political silence around crime, right? Silence. There's no political will to take on these statistics. Is there? So we spoke about that magical thread, and you've basically articulated it as being energy and what's coming out of this film is the fact that people do want to make a difference but you've touched on something that's very sensitive now and that's the political will we have the most incredible legislation yet south africa when it comes to gbv when it comes to rape statistics and of course when it comes to murder the statistics speak for themselves we're a failed state what can politicians do to make a difference Highlight it, scream, shout, do something. You know, I make this, I make this analogy in, in the film about COVID. You know, suddenly, for the first time, we see our government being incredibly proactive. We see hospitals being built and vaccination centers and it's all happening. And we had, you know, the president is saying, oh, this is the greatest threat that's ever faced. And you're sort of going, is it? Is it? 
really? Is that the greatest threat? Because if you look at the numbers and you look at our crime numbers, I would say crime is a much greater threat than COVID ever was. I mean, that's me, right? But here comes this political will. Why? Because there's a single identifiable enemy. The problem with crime, one of the problems with crime is who is the enemy? The enemy is often ourselves, Right. It's, it's not necessarily criminals, because as, as we've said already, yes, yes, criminals make up a certain and it's not good. But if you took all those other murders out of it, our murder rate would not be nearly as devastating. So it's something about wanting to acknowledge the crime as a as a as a as a, as a serious. Why is it? Why is it? It's not front page conversation. Why is it? Why aren't we talking about the women that were raped on a film set in Krugersdorp anymore? It's out of sight, out of mind. Our media cycle is such that nobody remembers the 10 babies. What 10 babies? So do you think that, again, we come to this aspect of being so desensitized? How do we hold our political elite to account? And how do we get over this desensitivity and actually start experiencing what's happening? Because that's what happens in this movie. You interview people and they start living their experience and talking about it. And it's, to, to, it's cathartic in some, in some aspects. Mm. How do we get people to talk about this and start doing something? I don't know. By, by, by pressurizing them, by, you know, I, I think for myself, by, by making by making content like this that tries to sort of shine a light on it. You know, I would love for our president to watch this film because he features quite heavily in it. Not in a bad way, um, but he features quite heavily in it. And and, and, and I pick out, a, 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 I don't know if, if people remember, but but at a certain point in COVID when he, when he used to have these talks with us, he, there was also an, a huge increase in GBV because people were stuck at home and uh, frustrated and whatever. And, and, and he read out the names of the women who'd, who'd been killed in the last, whatever it was, 10 days or whatever. And it was chilling, right? He just said these, these women have been killed and he just read their names out. But 57 people are being killed every single day and ain't nobody reading their names out. Their names are not printed in the newspaper. Their names are not said on a radio station. No one's speaking their names. So Ronald and Nancy Reagan had these fireside chats with the American nation about crack in the late 80s. And they created this war on drugs. And albeit the war was a failure... It brought so much attention into the American home that everybody was talking about the scourge of crack. Is that what you want to see? Yeah, partially. And I guess I guess what I also want to see are fresh solutions. You know, I want to say like, well, stop, stop always talking about policing. Stop always talking about jails. What, what else have you got to offer? And, and apparently, if you speak to people like Gareth, like this is not what I do. You know, this is just a film that I make. But when you speak to people who are involved in this, they say that there is a shift in mentality. People are starting to realize that we need more social workers, we, that that's where the solution lies, that it doesn't always it doesn't always rely on on locking people up. Who are we locking up half the time? We're locking up our brothers, sisters, not sisters, our brothers, uncles, fathers. In closing, mm. the movie, 
I believe is doing exceptionally well. The, it's been received exceptionally well. SABC is flighting it. Um, they have already had one airing. They're having another airing. When is that? Yeah, so we've had quite a few issues with load shedding, right? Uh, so we, we had our premiere last week on Wednesday at 9 on SABC 3. And it was always going to screen again. So this week, this week Wednesday, the 21st of September at 9 p.m., it screens. Uh, I hope the load shedding has been sorted out by then. But we will, you know, this is the starting point for us. This was SABC3 or S3, as they call it, was a, was a great uh, champion for us. They, they, they bought the film, but it's a starting point. It's where the film starts. Uh, our, our, our desire is for everybody who can to see the film and not necessarily all of them will see it on TV. We might have to get it onto a streamer. We might have to, we might have to take it out and screen the film and do, you know, counseling sessions after, which I think would work in incredibly well, uh, take it into the community. And there are people that do this. So for us, you know, the SABC thing, C thing, C SABC thing is great. Uh, but it's a starting point for the film. Our, our objective is to get it into every possible, onto every eyeballs possible. And in closing, when somebody watches 57, what do you want them to take away from it? I want them to get out of the numbness <laughs> you know, yeah. that we spoke yeah. about. I want, I want and, and whether that means they get angry or they get sad or they get uh, um, active, got to get out of the numbness you know the the numbness of these statistics is is not helping us you know we've we've got to when when these statistics out we've got to we've got to have a better response to it you know whether it's shrieking or or freaking out i, I don't know but but i felt my starting point was for the film was that i experienced a death close to me that i just couldn't cope with that i just thought i can't i've got to do something and what i do is i create films and that's one of the things that I do so that's what I did and we will try and take the film I've already got people trying to see if there's not something we can do in connection to the film uh, uh, some kind of a campaign or a, or a movement or a, I don't know what the right word is but we will pursue that and, and if anybody wants to talk to me about that please do because um, that is something that we feel quite strongly about How do people get in touch Craig? Facebook Probably. Facebook Messenger is probably the best. Facebook is the best. Yeah. Craig, thank you so much. Thank you, Chad, and thank you for your interest, and thank you. You, you helped me with a few things on the movie, so thank you for that, and I really appreciate your, the, your um, I think we share uh, some values in the sense of, like, we all love our country and we want it to change. Thank you for the movie, and thank you for the trauma counseling. You living the tumor mean I wish more people would. The movie will be flighting again on SABC3, known as S3, this coming Wednesday at 9 p.m. It is definitely an absolute must-watch. Go onto all social media and look for 57 or Craig Freimund. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just a reminder that Confidential Brief was proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors in to fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, well, then it's time to sort that leak for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za.